We return this morning to Matthew chapter 5, picking up at verse 33 and reading through verse 37. Matthew 5, 33 to 37. King Jesus said again, Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Father, this is a society that would find it hard to believe what Jesus said on that day long ago. And yet this gathering of your people is not only inclined a little to believe it, but to believe it in the heart and in the whole we pray today that as we deal with this phenomenal insight from our Lord, that we would do so correctly, that we would understand precisely how indeed it does deal with the issues of truth and error, but not in a general way, that we might come to understand how that the third command in the Ten Commandments, and the Ninth Command, in the Ten Commandments, come together in our thinking for the understanding of this text. We know that we should not take the name of you, our God, in vain. And we do know that we should not bear false witness. Help us then as we build upon that understanding by considering very personally the words of our Lord. Thank you for the occasion. We ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his delight. Proverbs 12, 22. Flattery in our day is not considered to be as serious a sin as perjury in a court of law. But both flattery and perjury are common assaults on the truth. We worship God who cannot lie. 
everyone here knows that one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And that command is to be taken in complement to the former command that is given, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Those two commands come together this morning as the Lord Jesus presents to us the issue at hand relative to oath-taking, the taking of oaths. Lying and deception is, of course, the identifying characteristic of the great adversary of our soul. Satan is a liar. Listen to the insight of Colin Smith in this regard. He writes, the Bible makes it clear that the entire human race has fallen into the grip of a lie. The whole Bible story is about the unfolding and the final exposing of this massive deception that began with one lie in the Garden of Eden and will end with the destruction of all liars in the lake of fire. At the center of this great drama is Jesus the Christ, who says, I am the truth. That is a powerful statement to meditate upon. Oath-taking is a legitimate part of our legal system and the community of law. People are routinely asked to swear that the testimony they give in a court of law is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And in many occasions, the added phrase is, so help me God. On a lesser plane, children of my generation would evoke an oath uh, when our truthfulness was called into question by maybe another uh, child or maybe a teacher or maybe somebody else, and we would swear, saying, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. None of those things sound very good to me, but those are the kind of words that were invoked in order to undergird our sense of, I'm telling the truth here. I'm telling the truth here. Now, Jesus forbids one of those two kinds of swearing. The oath taking in a court of law. Raise your right hand. Place your hand in the Bible. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Oh, help me, God. And, uh, and uh, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Uh, Jesus forbids one of those two kinds of truth-taking uh, in this particular text, among other ramifications of oath-taking in truth, some of which we easily understand in this culture and some of which we really don't grasp at first at all. But it's extremely important today that we not just uh, do a, a topical review of Scripture uh, relative to the subject of truth-telling, uh, there is so much more to it 
uh, as King Jesus addressed it in this text, than just uh, uh, liar, liar, pants on fire kind of a thing. Uh, This is the next illustration uh, of uh, six illustrations that the Lord Jesus Christ uses to convince the hearers of the superior righteousness that is required by God. God requires a superior righteousness to that which is possible by sinful men to perform or to achieve. Each illustration then demonstrates the very real need that every single person has for God's intervention and salvation. The continuing pattern here, verse 33, ye have heard, verse 34, but I say unto you, demonstrates the true intent and extent of God's law uh, against the common views that were embraced by the religious leaders in the first century. The Lord's interpretation of the law ought to be our understanding of it. What Jesus says of it is what is true of it and always been true of it. Jesus is not adding to the law. Jesus is not correcting the law. Jesus certainly is not uh, nullifying or destroying the law as a faithful representative of God's own standard of righteousness. Having addressed the issues of life and lust, Jesus now demonstrates the intent and the extent of God's law concerning liars. Jesus confronts the refined patterns of a liar's life. And what Jesus says evokes a flood of ways in which you and I kind of lie. And, of course, we ought to understand the kind of lying as, of course, Not kind of at all, but nonetheless, a reflection of a serious heart problem that only God in Christ can ultimately correct. We begin this morning with a consideration of how it is that the truth is sold by sinful men, or if you will, selling the truth and the selling of trust. The selling of truth and the selling of trust. Scripture itself recognizes the value of swearing or oath-taking as a matter of confirmation and assurance of a promise made or fact of truth that is spoken. God himself, we recently studied in Hebrews chapter 6, wanting to show to the heirs of his promise the certainty of that promise, God himself confirmed it by an oath. Because God could not name a name greater than his own name, he swore to the truth of his promise in his own name. Hebrews chapter 6. Oaths are a legitimate means of communicating to others the truthfulness of a thing. We make 
wedding vows in public to establish before our gathered guests the seriousness of our commitment to marriage. Vows and commitment go hand and hand. Two law principles that are building upon Commandments 3 and 9. Commandment 3 of the 10, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Commandment 9, thou shalt not bear false witness. Building upon those basic foundational commands relative to today's subject of truth and law keeping, or oath keeping rather, are two clear articulated principles in the Old Testament. And you wouldn't think that you and I would have to be reminded of these uh, additional principles uh, and application, but I would argue that we do. And we do for a number of reasons. One of the reasons has to do with the cults. You have a whole cultic emphasis in America today of a group of people uh, that uh, call themselves the Witnesses of Jehovah, Uh, that will not take oaths of any kind, neither will they make pledge to a flag. And uh, they do so as if somehow they're honoring God in that. Well, you and I ought to know the Bible truth concerning that subject. And there's other ways in which uh, God's people violate the spirit of truthfulness, of which you and I ought to be aware of that. And so it is helpful to us uh, to see some of the Uh, some of the associated principles that come alongside uh, the Ten Commandments, particularly Commandment 3 and 9, in uh, in complement as it relates to how it is that you and I ought to deal with the issue of truth. Let's take a quick look at Leviticus and uh, chapter uh, 19, and uh, I'm looking at verse 12. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 12. Now, don't forget that under the banner of selling the trust or selling the truth, uh, we are uh, talking about these particular things. You'll understand that uh, in, a, in a better way in just a quick minute. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And ye shall not swear, said God, to Israel by my name. And, of course, that's where the cult stops. Thou shalt not take an oath. Thou shalt not swear by my name. (laughs) Period. And they stopped, but there is no stopping. There's another word. It says, ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, for I am the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So building upon the third commandment, thou shalt not take the Lord uh, God's name in vain, and the idea of not bearing ever false witness, uh, you have this clarification not to swear, not to take an oath falsely. The biblical prohibition is don't take oaths of any kind. The biblical prohibition is don't ever take of an oath falsely. That's important. Don't ever profane. And that word profane in this case means to pollute or to contaminate the name of God with your agenda or with your 
assertion of a thing, especially if it isn't perfectly true. And so those two concepts are important to take into consideration as we digest what the Lord Jesus had to say. And then flip a few pages in the record of the law to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and in this case, I'm interested in verse 13. Deuteronomy 6, 13. Again, God through Moses says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Now, I want you to think about that. Three things in that verse. Number one, all God's people ought to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Every one of God's people ought to fear the Lord. Secondly, every one of God's people ought to serve the Lord. And I would just simply quickly remind you that the word serve in the Old Testament in particular uh, starts with worship and then adds uh, with the idea of worship, doing things. So in worship and in deed, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord first in worship and then in deed. I would argue you cannot serve the Lord deedfully if you haven't served the Lord first worshipfully. Worship starts with attitude, attitude towards God. We call that godliness. And then worship uh, builds in regards to the things that you do in relationship to God's calling, the things that you do by way of action, serve the Lord. But then the third phrase says, and thou shalt swear. doesn't tell you you have to swear, but it's basically saying when you do swear, make sure you swear in the name of God. In other words, the idea for the Jewish individual was that their swearing was to be in God's name. And the question was, why would anybody ever have to swear at all? Answer, because we live in a world of lies. We live in a world where people can't be trusted. And so oath-taking is a means of selling or promoting or securing the trust and the truth in an individual matter. Jewish people were commanded to use the name of God as surety when telling the truth in matters of government and business. Again, Jewish people were commanded to use the name of God as surety when telling the truth in matters of government or business. Or if you will, the little modern phrase, so help me God. But religious folk realized there's a lot of danger in that. There's a lot of danger in invoking the name of God when you do something. And this is something that people of our brand of evangelicalism ought to be far more careful in stating than they do. We say things with such certainty. Oh, so-and-so's in heaven. Oh, such and such is God's will. Oh, God this and God that. When oftentimes there is not a shred of biblical confirmation that such an assertion would be true. 
Last few days, I've been bugged by the Bob Evans new commercial. Have you seen the new commercial for Bob Evans food? They have a food thing that they're emphasizing right now, and it's called Dang Hot Chicken. Well, of course, dang is a euphemism for damned. And so it bothers me that a restaurant would advertise their food as damn hot chicken. But then, of course, you're only one step away from God damned chicken. And why would anybody want to eat that? I'm just telling you that the way in which the world plays on the edge of truth and error is just like constantly. And you and I, by the grace of God that love God, we need to have our guard up and our heart settled to honor God again and again and again. Uh, The Jewish people were never to use God's name when making a false statement. They were never to use God's way in in any kind of a a manner that would pollute it or corrupt it. Uh, uh, But nonetheless, uh, uh, we should understand that our beloved legal system in these United States of America is indeed founded upon the Judean Christian principle, which includes taking an oath in a court of law to assert the truth beyond shadow of doubt in a moment of witness. In other words, by no means does the Bible forbid nor prohibit the idea of serious oath-taking before God and evoking the name of God. God rightly when doing so. But what we do find is that uh, you should not swear falsely, and, uh, and we do find that there is a special, special sense of emphasis placed upon uh, the polluting of the name of God and the, uh, and the corrupting of the name of God by means of vain use. Now back to those religious people of the day. Because they recognized that uh, there was to be indeed a, a, uh, a combination of commandment 3 and commandment 9, that the idea that you don't profane God's name uh, uh, has to be taken in consideration to all the other commands, including the command to not bear false witness, since uh, the religious folk understood, and rightly, that those things Uh, need to be taken in complement, they began to promote a way of asserting or promoting or selling that you were telling the truth without invoking the name of God. Now, there's things that we have in common vernacular uh, in America that are evoked in such a way, like I tell you, on my mother's grave, blah, 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 blah. We evoke things. I tell you, on a stack of Bibles, we have these things, these little phrases that we trip out on people to underscore, to sell, as it were, the idea 
that were telling the truth. And so back in the day, uh, the Jewish people, uh, so as to not be bound to the thing they said by invoking the name of God, they would swear, they would make oath in the name of the temple or in the name of Jerusalem or in the name of the or in the name of the hair on their chinny chin chin and in all those ways what they are doing is they're seeking to sell the idea of truthfulness by stating something that is not as binding as if somebody said, so help me God. Because to say something before God is a serious thing, is a most serious thing. And you and I certainly would be well cautioned in invoking God's name on any project, in any purchase, in any forward motion, as we have construed it to be. God's name is indeed binding upon us. And uh, we ought not to uh, miss that reality. So you have Jesus then in this particular section of the scripture here, uh, talking about some of the lesser things that people were saying in that day when taking oaths so as to not be bound by their oath in the name of God. He says, I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. People that would say, I'm swearing to you by heaven. Now, you didn't really name the name of God, and so they'd feel good about uh, swearing in the name of heaven. But Jesus said, don't, don't swear in the name of heaven. Why? Because heaven is God's residence. What's he doing? He's connecting God to heaven. And then he said, nor by the earth. People would say, I swear by the earth. And uh, Jesus said, don't swear by the earth, for it is God's footstool. Guess what? If you say, I swear by heaven, you're saying, I swear by God. If you say, I swear by the earth, you're saying, I swear uh, by God. What about if you swear by the city of Jerusalem? That's the city of God. In other words, your little religious game of trying to find a way uh, to assert your truthfulness without having a sense of acknowledgement of the presence of God over the totality of your life is just religious game-playing. And it's no allegiance to the truth whatsoever. And then Jesus said something that most people in this day wouldn't even believe would be a problem for most men and women. Jesus said, Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Have you ever heard of just for men? Have you? You buy this little bottle of goop and you stroke it on your white whiskers and they turn black or whatever color you're seeking to get. And so actually in our modern day of technology and the vast improvement of products, uh, we can make our hair white or black. But I tell you what Jesus said is nonetheless still true if you really look at that statement, because Jesus said, neither shalt thou swear, which involves speaking by thy head, because thou canst make by speaking one hair white or black. 
okay, I know about Just for Men. I know about the old commercial, does she or doesn't she? Only her hairdresser knows for sure. Although I think I can usually tell. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> the reality is nobody can look in the mirror and say, okay, thou white whisker, turn thou black. And it happens. And Jesus said, because you can't do that, you ought to never, never think about asserting the truth uh, in any other lesser thing than as if knowing the whole truth of the matter, that you are standing, as it were, before the presence of the almighty, thrice holy God. That's why you and I ought to be committed to telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. And this is what opens then the lid of this can of worms. Because now we can talk about flattery. Now we can talk about exaggeration, which are both forbidden by our Lord. Flattery being the telling of a person what you think they want to hear, detached from reality. Flattery, like exaggeration, is most often motivated by the desire to impress. By the desire to bring a sense of opinion directed back towards us as speaking truth or being favorable. Likewise, we could talk about gossip being herein forbidden in that it is motivated by self-motivating desire. An awful lot of prayer sheets are nothing but gossip rags. I sent out yesterday kind of an update in regards to our senior saints. I rarely do it. Some of you are bothered because I rather, I ra very rarely tell you that so-and-so broke their fingernail and so-and-so uh, 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 got a headache and so-and-so broke an arm and so-and-so uh, had this gut removed and so-and-so had that gut removed. I, I very seldom am the purveyor of details to God's people about what God is going on in people's lives other than the generalization of the need that we all have. And part of that reason is because so many people take such pride and delight that they are in the know, like Uncle Joe, don't you know? Every pastor learns to hate what comes after these words. Pastor, do you know? Blah, 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 blah. And of course, most of the time, he doesn't. <laughs> Have no clue. Because he's not in the flow of what everybody knows from Uncle Joe. I'm telling you, gossip is a huge difficulty. These are but common ways, flattery, exaggeration, gossip, common ways in which the truth is sold out or projected out uh, onto self-serving. That brings us to the second thing this morning, which is consider what Jesus has to say here. Consider saying the plain truth. How about just tell the truth? How about not flatter? Don't exaggerate. Don't gossip. Don't seek to bind by making some oath, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, or on my mother's grave. No. How about just... Telling the truth. Telling the whole truth. Consider saying the plain truth. Jesus said, 
in that context of religious goofiness concerning oath-taking. Jesus said, Let your communication be yea, yea, yes, yes, no, no, nay, nay. Let your communication simply be yes and no. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Jesus' explanation of the intent and the extent of the law was that our lips ought to honestly represent the actual fact of the matter. Our commitment ought to be such that no personal oaths or vows are necessary. That doesn't eliminate the good thought of a vow in the front of a ceremony in which a couple are dedicating themselves to each other before the Lord in marriage. That doesn't preclude the idea of an oath in a court of law. No. But this idea of telling the same truth, or the plain truth rather, is simply the reality that, uh, that, that selling the truth Uh, is not necessary if, in fact, your heart is committed to the truth by way of speaking day in, day out, day in, day out. The unread fine print on the bottom of many phone contracts, the fine print on the bottom of many car advertisements, uh, may well uh, meet the legal standard of the truth, although I would argue not plainly, But surely the big, bold promotion is less than that which is plainly true. Jesus raises the standard that our verbal yes should mean yes. And likewise, our verbal no should mean no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Even in gospel ministry, the desire to influence others can lead to exaggeration and plagiarism. The world suffers a crisis in simple integrity. And sadly, so does the local church. This in regards to a people who have the standards set in the scriptures, Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. The standard to which we're called is speaking the truth in love. Told you before about my old, now dead friend, Milton, fellow preacher in the Thumb of Michigan, who every time I saw him, he'd led four, five, six, seven, eight, ten people to Christ that week. And you could never find these people. You would never see them in a church. But uh, he was always, always, always such a, a gospel productive machine that uh, uh, the number of people that, that he claimed to have led to the Lord were just outstanding. And, of course, it didn't take me very long as a young pastor to quit believing them. Because exaggeration, even for good things, is still exaggeration. We all need to be careful about speaking the truth. Plainly, the truth. And that brings us into number three. Consider how you and I might render support to spiritual terrorism 
by engaging in something more than saying a simple yes or no. Look at that last part of verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Yes, yes, no, no. For whatsoever is more than these. Whatsoever comes out of your mouth more than yes, yes, or no, no. Yes means yes, and no means no. Anything more that comes out of your mouth cometh, is motivated by evil. Cometh of evil. The words of evil translate the Greek word meaning wickedness. And in this case, the word is a genitive, masculine, singular. Allowing us to rightly understand it is a reference to the wicked one. Or the devil. The father of lies. Satan is the first and foremost liar in the universe. The great body of his work is founded upon a system of lies, deceptions, and falsehoods. And indeed, he does seek to terrorize the work and people of God with those lies. King Jesus links the human drive beyond speaking the plain truth to the greatest liar of all. By falsehood on our lips, we may give material support to the terrorist of the soul. Our Lord calls his followers to simply be marked by integrity in speech and action. Three words that I would quickly give to you this morning that we have not time to cultivate by way of uh, their unique interrelationship in the scripture, but I mentioned to them, to you, by way of principles that play off each other repeatedly, and those words are, one, integrity, duplicity, and hypocrisy. Integrity, duplicity, and hypocrisy. Herein we see that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, the, manifestic, uh, the manifesto of the Messiah uh, is demanding of, of those that are kingdom citizens integrity in the whole of the inner person, including their heart, their mind, and their will. Therefore, integrity is the cure for duplicity, a divided sense of soul or mind. Integrity is the cure for hypocrisy, where that one says one thing and does the other. Our dead buddy Warren Worsby says it, a person of integrity is not divided of soul, neither is a person integrity pretending. People of integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Have you and I ever lacked simple integrity? Yes. then did we not give aid to the enemy of our soul when we did lack simple integrity? Yes. This haunting thought 
has, of course, a sermonic point. The point is not, we must do better. I would quickly remind you that Peter was sitting right there on the mount when Jesus said this at the beginning of his public ministry. And on the night of crucifixion, Peter came to warm himself by a fire. And uh, somebody said, aren't you one of the Lord's disciples? And he said, no. Now that's a lie. But at least the first time he was approached, he, he didn't say more than no. But then the next time, when a girl says to him, aren't you one? He said, I'm telling you in the name of God, no. Peter. And then the third time, when a little girl said to him, he says the Bible with cursing and swearing, said, I do not know that man. And so therefore we know that Peter's in hell today. You say, no, he's not. No, he's not. Well, why isn't he? Because he finally did better. And of his own achievement and performance, learn not to lie. Learn not to curse. Learn how to use the oath right. No. Because he came to the conviction in his own soul, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The gospel must be understood by the law. And if you have passed the life test, and if you have passed the lust test, and I doubt it, but if you have, here's the liar's test. And I don't know a person I do not personally know an individual person who can pass the liar test before God based upon their own performance and achievement. Therefore, the soul runs to God for that which he provides. Jesus Christ. The king is the solution for the life taker. The king is the solution for the lustful man. The king is the solution for the liar. May God help us all to understand. Father, thank you this morning.